Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. So this morning's sermon is taken from probably the most famous table episode that Jesus ever has, other than the Last Supper. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, before we get to our biblical story in Luke 19, I want to remind us of two things, and I've done this every week. In Jesus' day, two things about table or breaking bread mattered. Number one, who you ate with truly mattered. In other words, if you sat down with someone and ate a meal with them and they were not righteous in pursuing God, you would have been viewed as contaminated in Jewish culture. Also, if you sat down and broke bread with someone, it meant that you were in right relationship with them. And then the second thing is a banquet dinner or a feast is the high point of culture. If there was a banquet or someone threw a banquet for you, it would literally be the pinnacle of culture. And so again, two things, who you ate with really mattered. And a banquet, dinner, or a feast is the high point of culture. I want you to think about the last feast, banquet, or dinner that you were at. I want you to think about it. I was recently at one. There's a friend of mine here at City that just had their 40th wedding anniversary. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And the problem is, is that as the pastor, I'm often called upon to give the obligatory prayer, which blows my cover with the people that I'm gonna be sitting at at their table. Because by the time I get up front and pray, everyone knows I'm a pastor because that's how I'm introduced. And then I'll sit down at the table and no one wants to talk to me. Everyone looks the other way and... I mean, what do you say to a pastor, right? It's hard to figure that out. So I was just at this 40th wedding anniversary, and the dance band was up front, and a lot of people were dancing. Um, I didn't get up and dance because I'm horrible at it. And so um, I was sitting there, and I turned to the guy next to me, and we held a conversation, much to my surprise. He really wanted to chat. And here's what was really cool. He was up in years, but he was involved with the engineering team that pioneered airbags on automobiles. Isn't that cool? And so his PhD had been a study in traffic safety, and out of that had come the airbag. So I held a 35-minute conversation about airbags with this guy trying to figure out which car was the safest, and I found out that one of the cars I own is a literal death trap. Now, with that said, I won't ever tell my family which one because we will keep driving it in prayer. Now, picture this. What we're getting ready to read about is a banquet like that. There's a meal that someone throws in their home for Jesus. Jesus was well known as a rabbi. By the way, just before this episode, we're going to read in Luke 19 and Luke chapter 18, Jesus has had just two encounters with men. One was a rich young man. Following that, he had just healed a blind beggar before stepping into the city. You imagine the commotion when the blind dude at the gate can now see, and you're the one that did it. 
It's incredible to think about. And so what we have is, is we've got Jesus has chatted with the rich young ruler. That didn't go very well. And then he heals this blind man. The book of Matthew tells us his name was Bartimaeus. So blind Bartimaeus. And then we pick up our reading in Luke 19.1. Let's read together. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. In other words, he heals blind Bartimaeus and he is passing through the city and he's now exiting. He's leaving the city. And the text tells us this. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. By the way, muttering's not a good thing in the Bible. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, sing, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what, whatever it is. I, I, and after that, I don't even know the words anymore. I've blissfully forgot them. By the way, that was my attempt at American Idol, and it failed horribly. Now, Here's the setting, and by the way, Dr. Luke, who writes this gospel, is a genius. Oftentimes, a style of writing is where you use very few words, but the content is loaded. That's how Luke 19 begins. I want to read it again. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Here's a little background. Jericho. Alfred Edersheim, who is a biblical historian, writes this. Jericho in Jesus' day, that ancient city, occupied a site by the so-called Elisha Spring. A second spring rose an hour further north, northwest. The water of these springs, distributed by Roman aqueducts, gave under a tropical sky unsurpassing fertility to the rich soil along the plain of Jericho, which is about 12 to 14 miles wide. Josephus, the ancient historian, we still have his writings, 
This historian quotes Josephus. Josephus describes it as the richest part of the country and calls it little paradise. Mark Antony had bestowed the revenues of its balsam plantations as an imperial gift upon Cleopatra, who in turn sold them to King Herod. King Herod built a hippodrome there along with a massive summer palace. Here grew palm trees of various kinds, sycamores, the cypress flower, the balsamum, which yields a very precious oil that was sold all over the ancient Near East. If to these advantages of climate, soil, and productions we add, so it was, so to speak, the key towards the Judean East, in other words, Jericho was on the caravan road that went from Damascus to Arabia. It was a great commercial center, and the wealth was flowing. Not only this, it was the last stop for pilgrims who were heading up towards Jerusalem, and it was the winter capital. In other words, it was wealthy, it was paradise, it was beautiful. Sounds a lot like Charlottesville. Now, What we know is, is that the name of Zacchaeus is derived from the Hebrew word zakak, which means to be bright, clean, pure, and innocent. And yet he's a tax collector. Now, I don't have to go into a lot of detail. If you were here last week, my son talked about it. But tax collectors were the ultimate Benedict Arnolds of Jesus' day. They were people who were Jewish, who took taxes from the Jews and gave it to the Romans. If Zacchaeus was wealthy, it meant that he had taken far more than Rome had demanded. He had lined his pockets and had become exceptionally wealthy. What's interesting to note, though, in the Gospel of Luke, tax collectors are mentioned six times. And even though they were publicly hated during the time of Jesus and the writing of the Gospel of Luke, all six times tax collectors are mentioned, it's favorable. That's interesting. Here's the other thing. The the text tells us that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Historians tell us that there were three primary taxation districts, and the one that Zacchaeus was over was the wealthiest. The text tells us that Zacchaeus was plutos in the Greek. Plutos means this, to have wealth and abundance of riches. It's an adjective that defines someone who has a large amount of possession that exceeds what is normal. But here's what's really fascinating. That word for wealthy or rich is the same word that was used for the rich young ruler in Luke 18. So we're reading the same description of a person in Luke 19, they were wealthy, as we have in Luke chapter 18 with the rich young ruler. Now in Luke 18, Jesus meets the rich young ruler. Then he heals the blind man just before he enters Jericho. He moves through Jericho, and then he meets this wealthy guy named Zacchaeus. 
But the rich young ruler is defined or described the same way that Zacchaeus. He's rich. He has more than you could ever know what to do with. But in Luke 18, the rich young ruler approaches Jesus, and Jesus says to him, you need to give away your wealth, and you need to come and be my disciple. And that man leaves sorrowful, and on the heels of that, Jesus says very clearly, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man, a Plutus, can enter the kingdom of God. And the text says the disciples got depressed. So picture, you've got this wealthy, young, rich ruler, and he approaches Jesus, and he goes away sorrowful because he's wealthy, and Jesus says, you know, it's basically impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And then in Luke 19, we have one. We have a rich man who just entered the kingdom. But here's what Jesus said. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus is God. So when he enters Zacchaeus' home, Zacchaeus' life is transformed by the kingdom of God. Now, in this sermon, I want to talk a lot about putting feet to our faith because I think it's important. As we look at putting feet to our faith, the text tells us that Zacchaeus was attempting to or trying to get a view of Jesus. Now, it doesn't say that he was trying to see Jesus. It says he was trying to see who Jesus was. There's a difference. He was interested in something deeper than just having a little, you know, view of someone who is famous. The Greek word for that is zeteo. And the Greek word zeteo literally means this, to go in search of, to deliberately pursue, to go on a quest, to try to discover, to search for by going place to place. And that word is in the imperfect tense, which means it never finishes. It keeps happening over and over and over. In other words, Zacchaeus is made it his mission to discover who Jesus was. Now, the way the Newer Testament is written, oftentimes we get a great story like this one, but we're never told why the person is doing what they're doing. Isn't it interesting that we know a lot about Zacchaeus? He's wealthy. He's a tax collector, he lives in paradise, he's got life by the tail, and all we discover is, is that he runs ahead of Jesus on the only road that goes out of Jericho, and he climbs up a sycamore tree, and he's in the tree, and he's trying to get a look at Jesus. He's trying to discover who Jesus was, but it never tells us why. It just says he does it. But in the Greek, we know he is on a mission He's on a quest. He's driven to discover who Jesus is, but it never says why. So whenever you preach a text like this and you're a pastor, what you do is you begin to pray and think about why could this be? The text doesn't tell us because the Bible probably wants you to figure out why you're on the quest or why you aren't for yourself. But 
Here's what I believe happened with Zacchaeus because of how Luke describes him. Well, first of all, he's short. There's no sin in that. It's just an obvious, and, and one Bible scholar said, well, how do we know that Jesus wasn't shorter than him? Anyway, here's what I think happened. I think Zacchaeus went to UVA and he studied in the comm school. And then he got in the tax business. And his dream his whole life was to be the chief tax collector in paradise, in Jericho. Because man, if you get that gig, you just make more money than you know what to do with. So what you do is you do really well as a tax collector elsewhere, and then finally you get the phone call from that area of Jericho, and they go, well, we, you know, we've been watching your career, Zacchaeus, and man, you've just been killing it for Rome everywhere you went. And now the ultimate CEO position has opened, and it's in paradise. Do you want it? And Zacchaeus goes, this is what I've worked my whole life for. So he goes there and he buys a big house. He's living the dream. And every goal and everything he ever thought would satisfy his soul, he has. And he's empty. There's something horribly empty about getting everything you think will fill your soul, and it doesn't. And you have it all. You got the big house. You're the CEO of the tax collecting office in paradise. You're living in the ultimate place, making more money than you ever dreamed, and you're empty. That is a horrifying place to be. Because when you're at the bottom of that hill and you're climbing, hoping to get where Zacchaeus is, you can lie to yourself and fool yourself. All I need to do is get there and then my life will be awesome and my soul will be filled. You can keep deceiving yourself, but when you're there and you have it all and you're still empty, you can't lie to yourself anymore. The truth is like a freight train. And so here's Zacchaeus. He's got it all and he's horribly empty. And that is why he does what he does. Because when you have it all and you're empty, then you got to make a move. And he hears about this rabbi who just healed a blind man that Zacchaeus, no doubt, had probably given money to many times. Now that guy's been healed, and that rabbi's coming through the city and Zacchaeus, by the way, most Bible scholars said it wasn't safe for him to be in the crowd. It says he couldn't see over the crowd. Most believe that he would never go in the crowd because someone may stab him. So he actually does what's smart. He's short. He can't see over the crowd. He's been circling the crowd, but everyone's mobbing Jesus. So he knows there's only one exit out of Jericho. So he runs ahead. And he climbs up into a sycamore tree. And the text tells us this in Luke 19.5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Oh, by the way, Zacchaeus, your name means innocent and pure. It's what your name means. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
So he came down at once and received him gladly. By the way, that, that phrase, welcomed him gladly, is the Greek word that's used every time someone opens their heart by faith to Jesus. It's that phrase. Now, could you imagine, though, what, Z- what Zacchaeus' wife thought about him saying, sure, come over now. If I were to say, there's five of us that are coming to your dorm room immediately after church, or we're coming to your house, I invited myself, how would you feel? Most men go, ah, I wouldn't care. And most women are dying right now, going, you got to be kidding By the way, I had a friend of mine who pastored a small church, and he was seven foot tall. And he would talk about how he would go into homes, and he could see that people couldn't reach high enough to dust most of what they owned. He said he could literally look on your fridge and see the hair that was just growing off the top of your fridge. So he mentioned it once when he was first voted in at the church, and there was this lady that never invited him. And he'd been to everyone's house but hers because it was so small. So he asked her, he said, why haven't I been invited to your house? And she said, I'm so horrified. She was elderly and she said, I can't wipe the top of my fridge. And I think it just must look awful. So I've never invited you over. Jesus looks at the guy, says, I'm coming to your house. By the way, it's a command in scripture. He's not asking. He's telling him, I'm coming over. I'm coming. And the next text tells us, Luke 19, 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. So Jesus is walking towards Jericho. He meets a rich young ruler. That doesn't go well. He heals blind Bartimaeus. He walks through the city, and he's accepted no invitations for hospitality. He has exited the city He's in the orchard section outside the city and he looks up at Zacchaeus and he finally picks someone at their house that he will spend the night. And the crowd is irate. How dare he pick him? Of all the people you could choose to stay with in Jericho, you choose Zacchaeus? He's the worst man He's literally the worst. And Jesus says, you're the one. I'm staying in your house. I'm going to stay with you. And the text tells us that Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly, which is a statement of faith. And the text says that Jesus looks at him and says, today salvation has entered this home. Now, I wanted to remind us again of a little thing that you would miss in English, but it's powerful to think about. In Luke 19.4, the text tells us, so he, meaning Zacchaeus, ran ahead and he climbed into what kind of a tree? A sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus has just done two things that wealthy people never did in the ancient Near East, ever. Number one is run. Slaves run. Wealthy people never run. And slaves are the one that climb trees, not wealthy people. It would absolutely be a social taboo to do both. But notice what Zacchaeus has done. He has humbled himself. 
he ran ahead and he climbed a tree because he was on a mission to see who Jesus was. Now, what's somehow difficult to get, but you're going to catch it. In English, we have a word for a con artist or a shakedown artist. It's the English word sycophant. You ever heard that word before? Sycophant. Do you hear the root? Sycamore. Sycamore trees, the figs are harvested by shaking the tree and the fruit falls to the ground. And so a shakedown artist is someone who shakes people and the money falls to the ground. Everyone in the first century knew that a sycophant was in the sycamore tree and Jesus chose him. As we close out our time, I'm going to ask that we would please all stand together. As we stand together, I'd like us to take just a moment to close our eyes in God's presence before Blake and the worship team leads us. You might be home in your living room or here in this sanctuary. But the question has to be, what have we been filling our soul with? Maybe you're just starting out on grounds at UVA. There's nothing wrong with pursuing goals. There's nothing wrong than feeling the call of God to do everything you do with excellence. There's nothing wrong with pursuing certain goals. But there's something eternally and horribly wrong with thinking that if you get those, your soul will be satisfied. I want to encourage you that if you've been clawing your way up the mountain of paradise, if your goal has been in, to be in the C-suite of Jericho and that's what's driven your life, that getting success and money and people knowing who you are is what drives you, I would encourage you, as Blake and the worship team leads us, that you would humble yourself in God's presence, that you would run ahead and climb up in the fig tree and that you would be on a quest, a quest to see who Jesus was and to discover who Jesus is and that you would look to him to fill and satisfy your soul.